I'm fired up today because I, I get to bring you the message on Jesus, powerful healer. Jesus, powerful healer. I want to build your faith today. And I want to build your expectancy. I want to build not only, uh, not only hope, but also our understanding of the nature and character of God and His miraculous power. And we're not only going to talk about healing, but before this service is out, we're going to pray for the sick. And we're going to believe, as it said in the Scripture, that the power of God was present to heal. I, I believe the power of God is present today to heal people, spirit, soul, and body. You know, I've not only have a faith and belief in miracles, but I've had the privilege of seeing them and on some occasions being a part of them firsthand and experiencing for myself the miraculous power that's in the name of Jesus. You know, uh, a great couple in our church known to some of you, uh, downtown Brian and Lale Harper, used to be a part of our downtown community, uh, moved up to the Upper West Side, so part of our Upper West Side uh, community these days, well, some of you might recall, Lale, when they had their second child, um, Lale had like the roughest of rough pregnancies. And uh, she went for a long stretch there of not being able to really you know, take any food. In fact, at, at one stage, she couldn't hold any food or even just if she would drink water, she threw up for 50 days straight. So you can imagine, of course, while you're pregnant, I mean, Pregnant women do everything they need to do to be healthy, to take care not only of themselves, but also of the little one that, that they're carrying. And so this was a, this was a really tough time. Lale was in and out of hospital on more than one occasion. And, you know, she, if you don't know them, I mean, she's one of our elders. Her husband, Brian's on our board of elders. Uh, she leads the prayer teams across our entire church. So she's a woman of faith in her own right. Uh, but, you know, how many of you know, you know, you can still find yourself, regardless of your own faith, in situations that'll stretch your faith, where you need a community of faith to rally around you. And that's where, that's where Lale was. So I, you know, people had been over. One thing I love about our church that I think our church does well is rally around people in difficult seasons. And so people had done exactly that. And, uh, you know, she was having a hard time uh, even getting out of the house, the sounds and lights and especially smells. Anytime she left the house, she had a peg on her nose because just, to, you know, and, you know, in New York, it's unavoidable, right? The smells. <laughs> and, uh, and so, she, you know, she would just smell one thing and she'd be instantly nauseous. Well, they said, would you come and pray? And so, so I went over to the house and I remember arriving, all the curtains um, drawn and she was, she'd really been bedridden for, for well over a month at that point. And, and I walked in, I had a sense of expectancy and faith, and, and uh, there was a really tangible presence of God in the place, and we had worship music, praying, and, you know, Lale couldn't get up to be prayed for, she just lay, and Brian and I, her husband and I, stood, and walked, and paced, and prayed together, and then we just really be began to intercede for her, and called on the name of Jesus, and the most tangible presence of the Holy Spirit came. I asked Lale, to, in her own words, to share something I could share with you, and this is what she said after... 50 plus days of not being able to keep any food or drink down, being incredibly ill and losing 28 pounds while pregnant. I cannot thank you enough for coming over to pray for me. According to my doctors, my body thought it had been poisoned due to extreme hormone levels and my OBGYN said she'd never seen anything like it in over 30 years of practice. But when you prayed for my healing, by the way, pause, it's not about me, it's about Jesus, right? 
I look at the Bible, I, I, you know, she's expressing thankfulness that I came, but you know, it's always good to remember that, that God used a donkey in the Bible to deliver a message. So <laughs> before you're like, oh, Paul, Paul, yep, donkey, also qualified over here. Okay, so we're all, this is like, you know, <laughs> just to get that straight. Now, after you prayed for me, uh, she said, both Brian and I felt a, a tremendous spiritual shift. The presence of God was thick and tangible. I was amazed at the authority you carried, and there was no doubt the Holy Spirit was doing something. After hours, listen, hours after you left our home, I suddenly woke up wanting a Subway sandwich. <laughs> she hadn't wanted food for two months, right? She, so she ate, and it says a total miracle happened. After nothing had stayed down for 50 days, I stopped losing weight from that moment forward. Slowly gained back my weight from that day on. I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to love my family in action. Jesus healed me uh, through you, and my baby got the nutrients she needed, and today Zoe Grace is perfectly healthy in every way, forever grateful and praising God. Lale. Why don't we give it up for Jesus? Powerful healer. That was fun for me to be a part of that miracle with two people that I love and that I know. And, and knowing this little one that needed to be brought into this world, healthy in every way, and God did a miracle right before my eyes. And yet, some people wonder, and you know what? We've all been there probably at one time or another. It's easy to find yourself wondering if healing is God's will for us, right? Is it even God's will? There was a leper who came to Jesus with that very question, Mark 1. Verse 40, by the way, there's lots of scripture today to build your faith. Mark 1, 40 to 42, says a man with leprosy came to Jesus and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. Why, by the way? Because the man, the man in some senses had faith. The second half of what he said, you can make me clean is an expression of faith. But what does he say before that? If you are willing. So he had faith in the ability of God, but not in the will of God. If you like, he had faith in God's power, but perhaps a question over God's heart toward him. If you're willing, make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. And then look at this long prayer Jesus prays. Be clean. That's it. <laughs> I love it. Jesus is so efficient. <laughs> It's like, you know, it feels very New York, right? That prayer right there. It's like, right, let's get right to the point. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I love what Jesus said. I am willing. Some of you need to hear that this morning. If you need a miracle in your body or someone that you love or know, need some kind of a healing. Yeah, it might be an emotional healing. It might be in the area of mental health or in their physical body. They need a healing. It's good for you to re be reminded that Jesus is willing. No wonder Jesus was indignant. But you know, I want to take it a step further than that. And this is maybe the most important thing in the message today is that healing is not only God's will, it's God's nature. So this isn't just what God wants, it, it's who He is. Healing is not only God's will, it's God's nature. The, the first time that God really reveals this healing nature in Scripture so clearly is actually in the book of Exodus. You know, you, you might be familiar that the, the Israelites had been in captivity in Egypt and God powerfully brings them out of Egypt. In the end, because Pharaoh won't let them go willingly, it's his slave army and he won't let them go, God sends a succession of worsening plagues. And some of them are things like, you know, we got lightning and hail and blood. In the, in the end, we got boils and sickness, all of these crazy things happening. 
And, and as God delivers them in reflection, when he brings the children of Israel out, he, he reveals something of his nature to Israel by giving himself, if you like, or revealing of himself a new name. In Exodus 15, 26, God said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what's right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, listen, I will not bring on you the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am, here it is, the Lord who heals you. What he actually said there was, I am Jehovah Rapha. This is a new name. We know about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. He talks about being the Lord, our banner, the Lord, our shield. In this instance, God reveals part of his nature, having just demonstrated it in a manifest way to Israel by sparing them. Because the crazy thing about those plagues was it only touched the Egyptians. It didn't touch God's people. It was not only a sign of his favor, but it also was a way, an avenue for God to reveal his very nature to them and say, see, look at this. Look at this, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals you. It's not only His will, it's His nature. And then we not only see that in these times of deliverance in the old covenant, but then fast forward to Jesus coming, a physical expression, you know, God, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus comes, and He quotes an Old Testament prophet by the name of Isaiah, who centuries earlier had prophesied that when the Messiah comes, this is how you're going to know who He is. Well, Jesus quotes that in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. This is kind of like Jesus' mission statement at the commencement of His earthly ministry. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind. There it is and to set the, the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is saying, this is what I'm about to do. Freedom, good news for poor, amen? Freedom for those who are oppressed, sight for the blind. This is God's favor manifest in the earth. So do we think God has changed? Has his nature and his character changed? He, he healed and delivered in Old Testament times. He heals and delivers through the person of Jesus. Even after Jesus ascends to the Father, he heals and he delivers through the disciples and the apostles. He is unchanging. We, we sang it earlier. Who was and is to come. From age to age, our God. Nothing is too hard for him and he heals today. Psalm 103, verses 1 to 4 says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who, listen, forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Forgives, heals, redeems, and crowns. That's who He is. And therefore, it's what he does. I love that he says he forgives all your sins and he heals all your diseases. That's a challenging word. Anyone's faith being a little bit stretched this morning? He heals all your diseases. This isn't just, I had a bit of a headache and it got a bit better. No, come on. I mean, praise God for that. But no, he says he heals all your diseases. Forget not all his benefits. We've got to remind our souls sometimes. Man, all the benefits that there are when we are found in Him. Frankly, sometimes it's easier to imagine forgiving of sins than the healing of our bodies. Maybe because, you know, maybe it's because the sin in some senses seems like an intangible thing. I've been forgiven. But, you know, it's very tactile. It's, 
it, there's evidence, amen, when we're healed in our physical body, and that can be confronting for our faith. But I say, bring it on. I studied the book of Mark some months ago. I was challenged with how many times Mark, the gospel of Mark, said, and Jesus healed them all. Oh, he healed them all. Crowds came, and you got the d- d- demon possessed, and the lame, and the blind, and the deaf, and the mute, and those with leprosy. And the Bible said again and again, and Jesus healed them all. That stretches my faith. That hasn't always been my experience, but that's the level of my faith. Amen. I want to I bring my experience up to the level of my faith. We're often trying, we, we can so easily try and turn healing into a methodology. Maybe you, you read the stories of Jesus or you, you watch somebody who has a, a really a ministry, like a, a gift in the area of healing. And you look at what they do and you think, if I just did that, that's how healing works. But the trouble is, try and apply that to Jesus. He's like predictably unpredictable. You know, so one minute he's like lays hands on the sick and they recover. Next thing he just says, you know, go. Your faith has made them well. And Jesus says the word and somebody in another town gets healed. Another time... Nobody wants this one. Jesus spits in the mud. There's a blind guy there, and Jesus spits in the mud and then rubs it in the guy's eyes. Like, make a methodology out of that one, right? That's how we do this. Okay, there wouldn't be as many people lining up, I'll tell you that for sure. Here's the point. It's not the method, it's the man. Oh, we love our methodologies. We love to understand. There's nothing wrong with wanting to understand. But what you have to understand is the method isn't king. Jesus is. If you want a method, the method is Jesus, right? Jesus is the method. He is the powerful healer. So I want to give you a couple of principles to hang your faith on this morning. Whether you're believing for a miracle yourself or whether someone in your world needs a healing miracle. What do you do when you need a healing miracle? What do you do? I'll see how many of these I can get through. But number one, sometimes you just have to step out in faith. That's the first thing I would say. Sometimes, because we can sit and procrastinate and agonize and wish and wait and wonder and complain. But sometimes you just have to step out in faith. In Mark chapter 5, famous story. Uh, We'll pick it up in verse 25. It says, a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. And she'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I love that faith. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once... Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Well, the disciples are confused because they've already explained that he's in the middle of a crowd. So he says, you see the people crowding against you and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus knew this wasn't any ordinary kind of touch, right? This isn't like people bumping up against, you know, those, you know, you know lack of personal space moments that you have in the subway every day. Yeah, this isn't one of those moments. This is a touch of faith. Well, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. By the way, why is she trembling with fear? I mean, she just got a healing miracle. Well, helps to know the context. Under the law and in their culture, 
If you were bleeding, even a normal menstrual cycle made you unclean in their culture, let alone a woman who'd been bleeding nonstop for 12 years. And she would be considered unclean, untouchable. You know, she would have been in many ways culturally ostracized. So the last place that she should have been, culturally speaking, and in that custom, she shouldn't have been out in public, let alone in a crowd, touching people, because under the law, she made everyone she touched unclean. And yet she gets it in her head, I need to press through this crowd I need to touch Jesus. Well, what she did was unconventional, but it was fueled by faith, amen? And sometimes that's what it takes. So she, in the end, realizes I'm sprung, and she, she pours out, this is what happened. It was probably an uncomfortable moment to tell that story because maybe some in the crowd around her would have judged her for her faith in that moment, but not Jesus. Oh, man, I love this. Listen to verse 34. This is the heart of Jesus for you. Daughter, come on, there's the dignity right there. Jesus isn't like, ew, (laughs) daughter, your faith has healed you. Whose faith? Your faith, he says, your faith. Oftentimes, you know, you know, I I love having people of faith around me, but, but you know what? Even my own faith, even your own faith for your miracle. You know, sometimes we can put our faith in others and their faith in God. Jesus says to this woman who had just enough faith to say, I think if I could touch Jesus, I could be made whole. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And boy, had she suffered. The Bible said she'd nonstop, 12 years, she'd seen all the doctors, and thank God, I mean, we've got many medical professionals in our church, and you know what? I've seen God heal by doctor's hands. I'm grateful for them. But in her case, the doctors hadn't been able to solve it, and that happens sometimes. 12 years, spent all she had, and it got worse and not better, and then she comes to Jesus, and He frees her from her suffering, pushes through the crowd. Sometimes that's what it takes just a willingness to push through the crowd to see a miracle. We've got to step out in faith. You know, I, some of you know my mom needs a healing miracle at the moment. She has an inoperable brain tumor, but God can do anything. And so we stepped out in faith earlier this year, jumped on a plane. In fact, I think we've got a couple of photos of me taking my mom to Bethel. They had a healing conference happening in Redding, California. That's Bill Johnson praying for her there. Us on the plane got upgraded. That's why we're smiling so big. And then uh, (laughs) I think there's one more, Randy Clark, who was running the healing conference, praying for my mom. Why did we go? Do we think that God heals in Reading and He can't heal in New York? Do I think the Holy Spirit is somehow more powerful there than He is here? No. I think there's something powerful in simply doing something, stepping out in faith. I wanted to go and learn. I wanted to sit under people with great theology appealing and deepen the roots of my own faith. This isn't, you know... It's not some Christian Mecca that I have to make my Christian pilgrimage to. You understand what I'm saying? Like, thank God for that place. But the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and working in you right here, right now. So why did we, why did we go? We went as a simple act of faith. You know, my thing is, man, if I got a button, I'm going to press it. <laughs> I'm going to do whatever is without striving. I'm going to do whatever is within my power to do, just like the woman. Like, if I could just touch his cloak, I could be healed. That's, that, I think, is what faith looks like. So sometimes you have to step out in faith. Number two, sometimes you have to ignore the negative people. Anyone ever experienced that? Sometimes when you're believing for a miracle, you have to ignore the negative people. And usually they wouldn't call themselves negative. They're saying we're just being realistic or something along those lines, which is a synonym oftentimes for negative. Mark chapter 10 Verse 46 to 52, it says, They came to Jericho. Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. And a blind man 
named Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, right? They're ringing on his parade, tamping down his faith right now. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Listen, but he shouted all the more. (laughs) I love it. Son of David, have mercy on me. (laughs) It's like the more they told him, shh. Don't make us uncomfortable. Come on, man, that crazy radical faith. What is, what is this? It's, it's not cool. This isn't kosher, right? What's he do? Shouts all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So the, the crowd is on it, just right on the spot, changes their tune. I love this. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. <laughs> it's like, great. <laughs> One minute it's like, shh. The next thing it's like, hey, lucky day. You know, amazing. Cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, which by the way, in all likelihood, as a blind man in his day, might have been his only, if not his most valuable possession. He cast that aside, jumps to his feet, came to Jesus. Now listen to this. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Anyone else think that's a little bit humorous? (laughs) He's blind. What's Jesus doing? He's looking for faith, isn't he? What do you want me to do for you? And what's his response? I love this. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Well, go, said Jesus, your faith, there it is again, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, I never noticed until right now when I read that. Jesus said, go. What did the man do instead? Followed him. Isn't that what an encounter with Jesus will do? I just saw that for the very first time right then. Jesus tells him, you're free to go. And he's, I, I bet he thought, no way. <laughs> I've been blind. I've been begging. I'm following you. I'm with you. You can tell me to go. I'm right here. What a powerful thought that he presses through the negativity, presses through the crowd, trying to tell him to be quiet. In that moment, he calls out all the louder. In all likelihood, to be honest, this is uncomfortable. The crowd was very likely Jesus' followers. So, you know, sometimes that's where the negativity can even come from. In all likelihood, I mean, Jesus rolled pretty deep with his entourage of people that were into what he was doing. And all of these people around him, maybe they meant well and they'd seen other miracles. And in that moment, I don't know what was going on, but they told him to be quiet when they should have told him to step up to come forward. People will bring negativity sometimes. Sometimes people will bring a negativity to undermine your faith and they'll say all kinds of things. They can be well-meaning, but they'll say, you know, oh, you got sick. There must be sin in your life. Or they'll say, you know, if you, if you get prayed for and you don't get healed, they say, well, you know, I, I guess you just didn't have enough faith. Or, or they'll say some variation of, well, the right person didn't pray for you, or they didn't, they didn't pray long enough, or they didn't say the right words. There's always sort of some reason. And you know what? Without getting into a whole theology of the, the roots of sickness and sin in our life, of course, there can be occasions where there's a connection between willful sin and it manifesting in our physical body. But you know what? It's so easy sometimes to be dismissive and to explain away and to bring negativity and to rob people's faith through doubt. And in the process, we can put ourselves in the place of God when we do that to others. That's just not our place. It's not our place to judge. We have to be careful with the power of our words because I don't want to get people's eyes off Jesus and onto it themselves Because when we look on ourselves, we always are focused on our own inadequacies and there will always be reasons to explain away. I want to get my eyes on Jesus. 
Unfortunately, even theologians can do this from time to time. There's a whole school of Christianity that believes in a doctrine called cessationism, which if you haven't heard of it, is basically a theological construct in which they say all the miracles, all the you know, demonstrations of the Holy Spirit ended in Jesus' time. Now, I ain't got time to teach you a theology against that, but suffice to say that's probably a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, wouldn't you imagine? <laughs> when you basically build a, a theological con- construct to argue that miracles aren't for today, well, then you wouldn't believe for them, and by and large, I would guess you don't experience them very much, and you'd feel quite validated in your assumption being right in the first place. But the trouble is God is alive and well. Amen? And His power is present to heal even today. So you've got to be careful of the negative people. Number three, if you need a miracle, sometimes, number three, the smallest amount of faith is enough. I don't know about you, I sometimes compare myself, right? You find yourself needing a miracle and thinking, well, I'm no faith giant like such and such. And of course, it's never a fair comparison because I'm always typically comparing my weakness to their strength, right? It's like Instagram, right? It's all, you know, how it looks on the outside, all nicely curated. I don't know their fears and their struggles and their doubts and their setbacks. And I can so easily gloss over the miracles God's done in my own life. We've got to remember that sometimes just the smallest amount of faith is enough. Mark chapter 9, verse 17, a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? I mean, he's frustrated here, even, even with his disciples. How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, and foamed at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. And then listen, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. That's the level of his faith. If you can do anything, take pity on us. Seems like he's maybe got more faith in Jesus' compassion than he had in Jesus' Jesus' power that day. But he says, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible. For one who believes. And immediately, I love the the father. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Anyone anyone that can relate to that? Yep. I believe and (laughs) help me with my unbelief. And so Jesus rebukes the demon, casts it out, and the boy is made whole. If you can do anything. I, I love the fact that Jesus honors even that tiny amount of faith that the man had. To believe, he believed enough to persist after the disciples had prayed and seen nothing happen. He believed enough after seeing this condition all the way from the boy's childhood until now to stand before Jesus and believe one more time. He had enough faith that even when he didn't get a breakthrough, he could recognize the compassion in Jesus and believe one more time. We got to recognize, you know, what's happening in this story here is demonic oppression. You know, that happens here today. It's easy to imagine that was just in Bible times or in other parts of the world. You know, I'll be in Africa next week and launching Liberty Church in Manzini. And they have a very real and day-to-day experience, oftentimes with the supernatural and the spiritual. They're they're aware, but sometimes we dress it up, you know, in our very sort of well-to-do and Western and 
these become taboo subjects. But you know, the reality is, is for the very same reason that the kingdom desires to influence cities that influence the world, so does the enemy. And he oppresses people. We ought to believe for power. We ought to believe for miracles. We ought to believe for the mentally oppressed, for demonically oppressed people to be set free, whatever those issues are. I tell you, God is at work. Number four, sometimes you need to navigate disappointment. See if I can give you these two more real quick. Sometimes we need to navigate disappointment. What what happens? Here's my thought here. What happens when you pray and you don't see the breakthrough? What happens when you pray and the person doesn't get healed? What happens if we pray and the person we pray for still passes away? Well, what Christians often do is they get discouraged and they give up. They don't want to try again. They don't want to pray again. They don't want to be disappointed again. And they give themselves a construct around not wanting to give people false hope, and they they give up. I'm really glad the medical field doesn't work that way. Right? Like if if you're having chest pains, and you thought you were having a heart attack, and you're at home alone, and you call 911, and give them the details, but then an hour later, it's getting worse and worse and worse, and no ambulance came, and you call again, you get the same operator, like, hey, I called, and she's like, well, about that. So yesterday... We sent out an ambulance, and even though the doctors went, the guy still died. And so we're, all, we're just a bit discouraged, honestly, and we're all starting to wonder over here whether medicine really works. And so I'm hoping that by next week, we'll have enough courage again to try one more time. I'm really glad ambulances don't work that way, right? That even sometimes when things don't go how they want, they believe in the power of what they do, amen, and they step out again. You know what the reality is, is 1 Corinthians 13 tells us in verse 9, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what's in part disappears. Verse 12 says, now I see like a reflection in a mirror, then we shall see face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. It's good for us to have a healthy dose of humility when we walk through setbacks or disappointments or things not going how we thought they would in a journey of faith, you know, to realize that we know in part. We're on a journey of maturing in our faith. And what I want to do is when I hit situations where there's a gap in my understanding, I want to I fill the gaps in my understanding with faith and not with fear and doubt. Where there's a gap between what I was believing for and what I'm experiencing, in other words, I want to continue to bring the level of my life up to the level of my faith instead of bringing the level of my faith down to the level of my experience. Let me give you one more, and we're going to pray for a few people. Number five is sometimes we need to remember that we all need community. We all need community. I'm not going to read the story for sake of time, but Luke chapter 5 tells the famous story of a paraplegic man who obviously needed a healing miracle, but couldn't get there. He can't walk. He can't get to where Jesus is, but he had community and his friends love him, see him, and carry him to Jesus. Trouble is when they get there, Jesus is so popular, the house is full, so they cut a hole in the roof. That's another whole story. I don't know how the the owner feels about any of this. It's like the paraplegic's lucky day, not so much the owner of the house. (laughs) The paraplegic gets lowered in, Jesus forgives his sins, and the man walks out of there carrying his mat. You know what always strikes me about that story is not just the healing miracle, it's the friends. That Bible actually says that when Jesus saw their faith, he saw the faith of the friends and heals the man. Do you have that kind of community around you? There are times in our lives where 
We don't have the strength. There are times in our lives when we need other people to rally around us. Amen? And we need a community sometimes to do for us what we in that moment can't do for ourselves. Where, where would the paralyzed man have been if he had nothing and no one? Where would the paralyzed man have been if he didn't have people in his world who knew his need and had faith to believe for his healing? Come on, worship team, why don't you come join me? Because part of our mission as a church is not only to follow Jesus, but it's to thrive in community. We follow Jesus, thrive in community, and make a difference. That middle piece is so important. You and I would not design to do this life or to face our battles alone. We thrive in community, which is why today, I'm sure Dawn will remind us at the end of the service, but why today after the service, we'll have Welcome to Liberty, like a, a social gathering for people wanting to take their next step into community. I, I believe you need family, you need connection, you need community, a people of faith around you. I got, I got a buddy, Joe Onasaya, big Samoan man who's a pastor in, in Hawaii, and he was paralyzed from the neck down in a football. He was, he, he was, he was a a football player, professional football player, played for the Dallas Cowboys, paralyzed from the neck down. He's in hospital. All the doctor's reports are negative. But an evangelist friend of his, hearing what was going on, walks into his hospital room, talk about short, effective prayers, sees him in the bed and just says, get up out of that bed. And he's so startled by the loud voice in the room, he just gets right up out of his bed and has walked and passed it to this day. In fact, I saw some videos of him. He went on to be a strong man flipping cars, as you do when you're Salmoan. And... Uh, that God can do anything. But the question is, have we surrounded ourselves with people of faith? Are there people around us who know that not only is healing God's will, not only is healing God's nature, but now healing is our mandate. You and I, Matthew 10, 8, are called to do this. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Listen, freely you have received, freely give. Why don't we all stand up on our feet? So the worship team begin to play. Listen, we're going to pray for people in just a second. I got a call just this week. One of our elders in our Brooklyn community, Don McLean, in his 40s, had a stroke last year from a tear in an artery in his neck. And there were all kinds of dire reports about what that was going to mean and the probability of it recurring and whether he would ever recover, feeling and sight and sensation and the risks and you know, this week he got the old clear from the doctors, completely and miraculously healed. Blown away. The doctors are like, this is incredible. It's so fast. A matter of months. That's, listen, that's, that's what God does because it's who God is. Amen. I got faith for you today. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come out. We've got a prayer team, trained ministry team. Any of our elders that are in the place come as well. And we're going to have the team just go back to a song we sang earlier in the service. And if you're going to worship along with us, you can worship with the team. But if you need a miracle in your body, I want you to be like the woman with the issue of blood. Push through the crowd. Get out of your row. Come. I'm going to stand here and down, down here and pray. And we're going to take a few moments now, even as the team worship. You know, we're not done with the service. Got a few other things to do before we're done. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith right now and invite you to come. Jesus, stir the hearts. Stir the faith of every person here who needs to come. God, we believe right here and right now, nothing is too hard for you. You still set the oppressed free. You break the power of all kinds of conditions, spirit, soul, and body. God, whatever it is that plagues and oppresses people in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, God, in their physical bodies, we believe you for manifest miracles 
here today. God, as we stand in the gap and raise up faith, as we declare those who worship along as we pray, that we believe in you. We believe in you, the God who was and is to come. We believe in the power of the risen one. As we declare again that you are the God of miracles. Lord, we just pray you would make that apparent, make that manifest here in this place to your glory in Jesus' name.